and as you are uh, going there, maybe uh, just um, getting us up to where are we in the story? How uh, how are things uh, going? Where are they uh, since uh, chapter? Uh, 16 Jesus has been on his way uh, to Jeru towards Jerusalem and he's been uh, talking to the disciples about what's going to happen there but they haven't exactly totally understood uh, what's going to happen um, Jesus has said two, three times that he was going to die and then another time last week that he was going to die for the ransom of many, um, they were leaving uh, last week when we were uh, in the story. They were leaving Jericho, uh, so down there in the green green part, they were leaving, and then moving towards um, uh, Jer Jerusalem. Um, <coughs> it's not a. It's not uh, that. The trip is very, very long, but it is very steep. Uh, so this um, this ascent that they are taking uh, from Jericho up is uh, the the length is about thirteen miles or twenty one kilometers, but the but it for, it's four thousand feet of elevation going up, and some of the some of the commentators would say that for lots of people it probably would take a whole day to to do this distance not that it's because it's very very long but because of the the journey part um <coughs> and if you know in your bibles there are some songs that are called uh, songs of ascents and so in when they were pilgriming to Jerusalem or going to Jerusalem to celebrate the different feasts it could it's also a way to prepare yourself for worship as you're going up into Jerusalem uh, so that um, that could also be uh, we're not hearing that they did that but that could also have been part of that um, for for some reason it's very important that Jesus comes from the east uh, because that's also what the prophecies are saying. So he will be coming from the east, which we can see that he is also doing. And yes, I think that was just a introduction, and then now we'll read uh, together. There's no more slides. I don't think. Oh, there. That's what. Uh, <laughs> that's just what I was trying to say in my own words and here you have them in feet instead of uh, um, uh, meters so they're talking about what road they will be taking and how it will be leading up into uh, Jerusalem and then just having the last piece part over the Mount of Olives alright let's uh, read today's text together Now when they drew near to Jerusalem 
and came to Bethagen, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a colt tied. No, no, a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. His disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them the cloaks and sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And he entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the, temp in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer but you made it into a den of robbers. And the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies have you prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. <clears throat> now Matthew has taken, on this, taken us on this journey Uh, and from the very beginning, Matthew have has one quest, and that is explaining how Jesus is the Messiah, how he is the Christ, how is he, how he is the Anointed One. He's done that through um, through showing us um, through showing us different things of how he would act like the Messiah, how he would do the different things, how how he would fulfill the different prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah that was coming. And so Matthew is also going to have lots of focus on that today, from the mode of transportation that he, Jesus comes in riding on the donkey to the different things that he does as he gets into the city as well. No, sometimes maybe if you've been in church before, 
this is a text you've heard many times. It's written most Palm Sundays of how Jesus has this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And it kind of sets up the week of uh, Jesus's, uh, the week of Easter. And with Jesus dying, being betrayed on Thursday, dying and rising again. Now, some of the things that I didn't really think about <laughs> before, because I, I kind of thought the same thing, is is the well. Let's take it. <laughs> let's take one at a time. Um, is that maybe it's not as triumphal? Maybe it's not as triumphant as we think it was, because because the estimations of how many people are in town is like the smart people say there could be up to 2 million people in Jerusalem at this point. And, and, and the crowd that people, uh, that Jesus is traveling with and where most of his work has been done is from Galilee. And, and they, they know, they think they know who Jesus is. But then the 1.5 million people, their question is like, who is this person? Um, but Matthew continues to tell us who Jesus is. One of the interesting things that maybe we also take a little bit much for granted is that Jesus just knows what's going to happen. Like he sends his disciples to go get a donkey. And he says, go in and get it, and and then you bring it to me. And so, oh, but that's, I mean, that's Jesus, that's just what he does. Well, here Jesus shows that he knows the future. He knows where things are, where he's not been there. So, as Matthew is telling us this story, and uh, uh, he has lived it out and seen what happens. He tells these disciples to go do this, and they do it, and it happens that way. So again, as as Matthew's sending us up, who is this man? Who is Jesus? He now also knows, as we've heard before, he knows what people are thinking also, but now he also knows where things are and and knows what is going to happen. And it's an, it's enough. <laughs> it's enough of a. It's enough of a thing to pause, to think about, and to ponder about, because Matthew he says it and explains that this is gonna this happens. So at least Matthew is like, oh, this is not something that normally happens. Somebody uh, is, uh, tells what will happen, and then it happens. And I think I like I like the part where where it also says like oh yeah if somebody says something like he even gives them the uh, the right words to say if they, somebody should complain if they take the the donkey he says yeah oh the Lord needs it he'll send it right back um, and the there's not much there's not much debate among the disciples they the two disciples go get it. And they, they come trotting back with the, with 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 the donkey and the colt. And then, as they do that, Jesus 
sits. Uh, oh, his disciples put uh, on what do you call? Put on the outer garments on the donkey, and then people start cutting off the branches and different things, and making ready for this triumphal entry as they are going towards the city. And then, and then Matthew. Uh, Matthew lets us know that this is important. It is important that Jesus comes on a donkey. Because that's what Zacharias wrote would happen. That the coming king would come mounted on a humbly mounted on a donkey. And so uh, Matthew is is uh, pointing our attention pointing our, our attention to that. But then it's also good to, interesting to see what is it that the people are saying about Jesus as he is on 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 the um, on the donkey on the way in. Because they're not like, hey Jesus, hey Jesus. They're they <laughs> they are saying something different. They are <coughs> in verse nine they are they are following and they're shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So the the people that believe that Jesus is the uh, Messiah, they're now they're now crying out and they are now yelling out, uh, Hosanna, which is translated into, please. Lord save us. And but then also they're also saying that he's also oh, thank you. <laughs> he's more aware of my slides than I am. Um so that's what Hosanna means. Uh, and also at this point in time, as the slide says, this cry for Ho Hosanna might have become this uh liturgical expression like used as a prayer for help. So crying to Hosanna, help us. Hosanna in the highest, help us, save us. Uh, even also like a shout of celebration. But it also entails, like it says, something it has something about it and in this context as well, because they are saying that he is the son of David. He is the son that they were waiting for. He is the coming king. And he is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And again, save us, you the one in the highest. So this call for, as Jesus is triumphantly entering, the crowd are yelling for, are screaming out for our Savior. Save us. Save us. Because you are the son of David, and you can save us. But we we can see then the contrast, and what I haven't really thought about is, is the as they're entering Jerusalem 
the whole town is stirred up and but they're not like oh this is the guy they're slightly more confused and say who is who is this person so it's not like a given that everyone just knows who he is and would just go along with it the same instead the people with Jesus have to explain this is a prophet Jesus he is the one he's the he's a prophet from Nazareth and people that know their Old Testament like well you can't you can't be the Messiah <laughs> this is the Messiah it's not from Nazareth so there's a there's these uh, there's these um there's these not there everybody's not on the same page about who Jesus is but our the author he he will continue to tell us no no Jesus is the Messiah and he will continue to help us on that journey so that was one of the things that stuck out to me from Matthew's Matthew's account is that he really wants everybody to know but most people in Jerusalem, they don't really know him, and they're kind of a little confused about who he is. But how will Jesus then show who he is? And that's very interesting to see where what happens next. Jesus, he goes to the temple, and then he quotes that it is it's his house. You see there in the quotation, "My house." She'll be called a house of prayer, but you made it into a den of robbers. And then Jesus continues to kick over people's tables, knock over their money, and chase them out of the temple. So if Jesus has not yet made lots of friends, the actions that he has now are not not really going to give him an extra amount of friends <laughs> because now he he knocks over the money changers and the people that are selling pigeons and he yells out that he says that it's his house that it's supposed to be a house of prayer but it's been made into robbers Jesus cla claiming or saying that if he says this then he is the one who claims that this is his house and he has the right to purify the house of all the things that are ungodly that are going on there and the money changers and the the different things and you will maybe we'll just pause and just think about okay <clears throat> Jesus gets filled with anger and frustration of what people have turned the temple into and he's quoting Isaiah 56 7 that it's supposed to be a prayer a place of prayer for all the nation and then he adds a quotation from Jeremiah which is like you've done the opposite you've made what should have been a place for people to come and worship and pray to God you've made that in to a place where you are, are, uh, well, a den of thieves, where you are about profit, about different things, about exploiting people. People are saying that 
maybe some people are saying that this is in the court of the Gentiles, that they turned this part into the marketplace. And it's like, where's the rest of, where's the Gentiles supposed to go to worship God? If it's been turned into a, to a place where they were supposed to pray, but now it's turned into a marketplace. So it seems like instead of a place of place people could come to pray and worship, now it's been now it's a place of exclusion of we'll exclude these people from being able to participate because it's a become a marketplace. <coughs> so Jesus is coming in saying that it hits out is in 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 words saying it's his house. You've abused my house. He gets really angry, and he and John he says he makes a whip, and then he whips people out of the temple and clears it out, removes all the things that weren't supposed to be there. And upsetting the financial system and the way that they have made a way of living and a way of profit out of the people that was coming to worship God. And so Jesus goes on to show that the people that might have been excluded from the temple at this point in time, the blind and the lame, he heals them. And again, he shows, let's look at he said, he shows he has that power to do that. And of course, then all will be now rejoicing because Jesus has put everything in order now and he's healing the blind and he's uh, helping, healing the lame. But people aren't really rejoicing. <laughs> we can say, well, maybe it was a bad day for the people that were selling doves and... <laughs> And and and, and uh, it was a bad day for that business. But also the church priests and scribes, those to they were the ones supposed to know all these scriptures that John is referencing. They're supposed to know all these things, and they're supposed to anticipate the the coming of the Messiah. But instead of hearing anything that Jesus is saying or doing, they get provoked by what the children are saying. As they are also yelling, Hosanna to the son of Daming, the coming king. And Jesus aren't silencing them. And uh, they, the, the chief priests are not happy. Because they also know what that means. That means that he is receiving praise. Well, nobody's supposed to receive praise except God. So they're visibly, believe, they're visibly mad and angry at Jesus because he can't be doing these things. So they confront Jesus and say, do you hear what, they, do you, do you hear what they're saying? And Jesus done, does what he has done before. He says, have you never read the scriptures? Have you never sung the song 
Have you never sung Psalm 8? That infants and nursing babies, from them you have prepared praise. That song is about me. You can sing along. They don't really want to sing along. <laughs> but, but Jesus is saying, God has prepared this praise for me. Do you, don't you know this song? You are experts in the scriptures. This is about me. You are right to be offended, but I'm actually God, and God has prepared this for me. I've come to my own house. I just opened the eyes of the blind and healed the lame and restored the people to right worship. Because you made a marketplace out of this house. Now we don't hear what they respond. Because Jesus leaves. He leaves and goes out to, outside the city of Bethany and he lodges there. Now, if, if the day starts with you walking a long time, you get really excited when Jesus finds like a donkey and you are cutting palm branches off, you're taking out your garment, you're putting it on the donkey and you are yelling out that Jesus is who he is and you're going into the city and we start with this great celebration, the whole, the whole city is confused and stirred up. Jesus goes in and he, he makes everything right in the temple. He cleanses out the different things and, and he, he seals it with, uh, with healing the blind and the lame and saying that God has prepared praise for him. But then he leaves. It doesn't seem to be very kingly or savorish. -ish. I don't think that's a word, but it doesn't seem like it doesn't really. It doesn't really seem like hey, like Jesus, we were, we were going, we were, we were having this moment, like you were setting up who you are, you're making everything right, and then he leaves. I mean, I was just thinking if I was the, if I was the one of the disciples, I think I would be confused. Like now we've been on the road to Jerusalem for so long and didn't you just leave? Why don't you set up your kingdom now? Why are we going outside again? We just entered triumphantly. But what about you as we read through Matthew's account? And all these claims that Matthew makes about Jesus, all these claims Jesus makes about himself, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Holy One, that, that the Scriptures has talked about him as the one to be praised. And I know there's, at least also for me, there's many things going on here. There's all these Scriptures being fulfilled. And, but Matthew, he wants us, he, Matthew wants us to know who Jesus is, that he is the Savior, he is the Christ. But then why does he why does he leave again? What what are the things that as we've gone through this, what is it about Jesus you're being reminded about? 
What are the things about God that you've been reminded about as we, as we read this? Even, or even challenged about. Like I said, Jesus, he knows the future. When he gets the donkey. What does that mean for you? Is, are, you are you frustrated that you don't know the future? <laughs> or frustrated about that Jesus does, but he doesn't tell you? Or, or why did, yeah, wh what does that even mean? Is that a joy? Is that a help? Is it a gladness and a joy that he knows and it's in his hands? And Jesus picks a donkey. Um, most people would say well, if he was a real king, a uh, conquering king, he would have picked a different transportation, something more um, a horse or, or, or a carriage or something. Jesus normally walks everywhere. This is actually one commentator. This is the only time we hear that Jesus ever wrote on everything, on anything. So what does that mean about Jesus? That he's humble? That he's there to bring peace? But on the other hand, all the people were crying out that he was the son of David, that he would save them. They were shouting out, Lord, save us. What about you? Is that also your cry in this season? Lord, please save. And what answer is given? What does Jesus respond? In this time, the story kind of doesn't end. It would take time to unfold. The salvation story will take more time for us to see and maybe you're in the same situation you're crying out to Jesus to save you but it seems like it's a process of understanding what it is that Jesus is doing the thing one thing that really stuck out to me is like people's not totally sure who he is it's like who is this guy and his name, and we talked about that at home this week, it's Jesus. It means the Lord saves. It's the Lord saves guy from Nazareth. But, like I said shortly, but the Messiah doesn't come from Nazareth. It's going to be an argumentation later also. But what do you say? What does it mean for today? the things of the of the things that that Matthew has told about this day about Jesus entering in fulfilling all these prophecies then Jesus he goes into the temples he drives out all the people and he is uh, sweeping it and cleaning it out of greed and all these other things that are going that has been made into a marketplace, even ejecting the poor and the marginalized and the foreigners. Jesus is not happy.
But is that okay? Isn't Jesus always like supposed to be like smiling and just like happy guy? In this case, he's not. He actually gets really, really mad. And chases people over, knocks over the tables. So what do you think about that? Is it okay for Jesus to get mad? Or what kind of view do we have of Jesus? Does it change our view of who Jesus is when we read the story about him knocking things over and you're running out people? If it does change our mind, why does it change? What view of Jesus did we have before? Then we can settle down again because then he he again reaches out and he 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 heals the blind, he heals the lame. then when he's confronted by the by the Pharisees because people are yelling these things out and he's not rebuking the people but receiving the praise which he's not allowed to do God then Jesus claims again that it's okay because the Psalms were actually written about him and then he leaves This season, as Kadeem was talking about, I don't always find Christmas a nice season. <laughs> There's so many expectations from everyone. Like family, friends, and everybody wants this, and everybody wants that, and everybody wants different things. It can feel like this month of just walking, like... Oh, let's try to let's try to make sure that this person feels like this, and and even being at some di some different things, like oh, make sure we have this, or then it's not a real Christmas, or then it's not a real Christmas, or then it's not a real Christmas. And I I find it really tiring because for me that's really not what this what the incarnation of God is about. It's not about our expectation. It's about who God is. And, and in, this, in this passage, there is also so many expectations. You have the expectations of the disciples that like, he is going to save us. He is going to set up his kingdom. It's going to be great. They, I think they're confused at the end of the day. Then there's the people opposing Jesus because he's not the Messiah and he's claiming all these outrageous things. They are very, very mad and very frustrated. 
and starts planning how to kill him. So they have some totally different expectations. And then, then we have our author who he just wants to, he just wants us all to know who Jesus is. He, he throws in every prophecy, everything about Jesus fulfilling who he is, that he is God who's come to save. But still, Jesus leaves and goes out to Bethany. Now, I was reminded of one passage, and I've had, I really have tried not to do this a lot, and just stay to Matthew and just stay there. But I was reminding of one passage from Luke when Jesus is at the temple the first time. When Simeon tells Mary, oh, that almost cried there. Let me just get it right. <clears throat> Simeon is an old saint and he has heard from the Holy Spirit that he won't die until he's seen the Lord's Savior. So when Simeon <clears throat> meets Jesus as a baby, he says, and takes Jesus in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That's Jesus. You have prepared in this presence of all these peoples and a light for the revelations to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. Wow. What a savior. But it's not over. Because what does he say to Mary? And his father and his mother marveled at what he said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to them, Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It's not over yet. Salvation will come. But this hasn't happened yet. The, the sword has not pierced her soul. The way Jesus is going to save looks very different. So yes, it was a triumphal entry. But the triumph will be next Sunday when he rises from the dead. So what about you? What does it all mean? These people have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. At least 30 years have passed since Simeon held Jesus. Most people have probably forgotten all about it. Have you ever felt like Jesus is late or God is late? Why is this world still so broken? Why do we have to pray about people losing their loved ones? The pain, the suffering, the injustice seems to be winning. Why are you not doing anything? 
when Jesus' response is, I did, and I will. But I'm patient. Not wanting people to perish. Recall, I waited for you. So when we're looking at just this triumphal entry and the, all the expectations that people have, what are we seeing there about who God is? What do we see about Jesus accomplishing, coming to serve and not to be served, laying down his life, rising again? inviting us to see. Do we sometimes miss what God is doing because we have an expectation that he should do something our way? But don't worry. It's just the beginning. Heavenly God, we thank you for we thank you for this time when we can where we can come to your word and we can be encouraged in who you are. We can be challenged with where we can be challenged with who you are and how you do things and how you show us who you are through your word and and sometimes we can be confused and we can be sad and we can be like God why don't you do something and but I pray that in this uh, season and in every day you would help us to to see that you are working and, and you have provided for us the most important thing we can be reconciled to God and, and that you won over all the things that we still see of suffering and sin and injustice and you are making all things new and Lord I pray that you would help us and encourage us with those words to know that that, that is what you're doing I pray for all of us that we would be so overwhelmed with that, that that even as we see the brokenness around us, we would know that that you are making all things new and that you are the Lord of all things. As Matthew has been saying so all the whole time, that you are Messiah, you are the Savior. So Lord, we ask that we know that more and more.